Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is Mailbag. What's Mailbag? Well, I'm, I'm glad that you asked. See, on the John Campia Show every day, Monday through Friday, we take live comments and questions from the audience who are watching live. However, if you watch our show or our videos any other time of the day when we're not live, and you want to get a comment or question asked, you can send them in and get them answered here on Mailbag. Now, the way you send them in is by going down to the description of this video, and you'll see a tip link. Click on that there, or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on Mailbag if we deem your comment or question appropriate to be used on our show. And, of course, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time, and all of us involved with The John Campy Show and our YouTube channel. Thank you guys very, very much. For your support and uh i'm not alone here today i got robert meyer burnett joining me here for mailbag rob how you doing john i am doing great it's always uh fun to answer our viewer mail and uh we just went to lunch we did did had was... a great john campy show this morning came back from lunch now we're ready to do mailbag ready to go i'm all i'm all powered up for the weekend and i'm ready to do this mailbag i'm gonna bring my enthusiasm super bowl weekend super bowl, super weekend. bowl weekend john i'm excited you know to be honest Look, I've lived in L.A. for a long time. I'd love to see the Rams win in the new stadium, but for Ray's sake. I know. For, this is going to be part of my heart that's going to be cheering for the Bengals uh, just you for know, Ray. Just to see it happen. Just because I want to watch him cry. Yeah, I, I told you, when they won the game against Kansas City, he literally broke, like, openly weeping. Like, he was so happy. He Oh, it's a beautiful thing. All right, guys. <laughs> let's get now to the questions that you guys have sent in, shall we? And we're going to get things started off here with Julian. And Julian writes in, and by the way, Julian, oh, no, no, we're starting off with Sam, we Sam Weiser Gamgee. And Sam Weiser Gamgee writes, should have listened to the old adage, let dissolving fets lie. Oh, okay. Instead of let sleeping dogs lie. I get it. They should have just left Boba Fett in the belly of the Sarlacc. Oh, it, come on It's a now. good saying, Sam Weiser. All right. Now Julian writes in, who, by the way, tips in like $50 uh, in sending in. Thank you, Julian, for supporting our channel. Very on that nice level. Of you, sir. And Julian writes, John, I'm so excited for Obi-Wan, but I wish there was a way to watch it in a theater. Uh, do you know of any places that are holding public slash fan screenings? Mm. There has to be options for this. I need that communal experience, especially for Star Wars. Uh, P.S. And by the way, for his part two, he also sent in another $50. Thank uh, Julian. Seriously, thank you for supporting this. Um, I discovered you back when you were covering the first Transformers film. On the movie blog. Holy wow. crap, that is going back away. Wow. And then I've been following you ever since, 15 plus years. Uh, your love and enthusiasm for movies is so infectious, and you've had such a positive impact on my life. Thank you. Oh, dude, thank you so much. That's such a kind thing to say. Very kind. And yeah, man, there are a lot of people say, I've been watching you since the AMC days, and that's OG. But then there's even more OG than OG. That's going all the way back to the movie blog days. Um, you know, Rob, with the note, I love the idea of being able to go into the theater and watch something like, say, Obi-Wan on the theater. Because mm. I remember Game of Thrones did that for they a did. couple of... And I, that was a great experience, like having that communal experience. I do not see Disney allowing this to happen. Yeah, I mean, the whole point of these shows is to drive subscribers. To Disney+. Plus. Yeah. They don't want you to be able to watch it anywhere else. So while it's certainly not impossible, Julian, and I would be there, Rob. I mean, I, I would be there with bells on. But I, again, the whole point, the whole reason Disney makes these shows is to get people to sign up and subscribe to Disney+. Yeah. Plus. So it would be counterintuitive and counterproductive for them to then go and put it on movie screens for people to go watch because then, oh, yeah, you don't have to subscribe to our service. Just go watch it there. I would love it if they did it. I am a Disney Plus subscriber, and I would go and do both, but I, I guess it'd be worth Do you think there's any chance they could do that? You know, at first I would say no, but 
like with Game of Thrones, what if they did like this weekend only? Right. You know, and 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 it would still like maybe they could still put it up on Disney Plus, but make it available to fans who wanted to go see it in the theater. Because, dude, I would go. I would like go to the Chinese and watch this on that giant screen. Okay, what if they did this? What if they said well, it'll be in select theaters, but you have to show this code. You can buy your tickets online, but you got to show this code showing that you are a Disney Plus subscriber. Yeah, but then would they charge you to go in? Sure, and that's and I, I'm I'm fine with that too. I would do it too. I would. I would do, it too. I would do that. I would do that. Maybe maybe we should send this video over to the folks at Disney. <laughs> anyway, Julian, great, great topic to bring up. Thanks, and thank you again for supporting us on that level, man. That's incredibly generous of you. All right, next up, Murray Reich writes, Overall, the Boba Fett finale was fine. My biggest gripe was they killed off Bane after introducing him in live action, especially to 90% of audiences that don't even know who he is. <laughs> It was nice seeing him with Boba in a standoff, but overall disappointing finish. And you know, Rob, that's something you and I disagree about because I thought one of the better things they did in Book of Boba Fett was have Boba Fett kill Cad Bane because that is the one thing that they had Boba Fett do in this entire show that was very Boba Fettish. <laughs> I mean, because everything else from chasing around little droids in a kitchen or searching for his armor in a sarlacc pit that he knows very well he got out of with or hiring teenage kids in their colorful vespas in the street when he's never seen them fight nothing he did in this show was remotely boba fett ish except for having him go mano a mano with a clear badass and ending it with him killing him and i get it that there are some people like but we just got Cad Bane. But you said it yourself, Marie, in your thing. 90% of the people watching this has no idea who Cad Bane is. They don't care. But even if they didn't, I mean, he still was a great character. Corey Burton voiced him so well. He looked great. I would hope they would keep him as an ongoing foil and bring him back in The Mandalorian or other shows they're going to do. It just seems a shame that a character that looks so great in live action and was so menacing is now gone. Yeah, but hey, story first. Story first. And I actually thought Cad Bane's death served the story. That's true. Not much, not much did serve the story. No. But I thought that one kind of element did. But uh, this debate will go on. Besides, they brought the emperor back. They can bring him back. All right. Uh, let's see. The anonymous viewer writes, uh, Book of Boba Fett, more like back to tank the Star Wars story with special guests Boba Fett and Mandalorian. That's true. I think actually, if you want to get nitpicky, they we probably there was probably more screen time of a back to tank than there was of Cad Bane in the show. <laughs> I, lit I literally was. think the back to tank got more screen time than Cad Bane did. I'm not even joking. I'm not even like. Not I, even, I know I you're not. I know you're not. All right. Next up, the Candyman writes. Hey, John and crew, longtime viewer. Thank you so much for being a longtime viewer, Candyman. Uh, first time writing in. And I have to jump on the power uh, bandwagon. I've been noticing uh, that I've been noticing lately on season four. Now it is an effing great show. Good work, uh, Fifty Cent in Rob's voice. I, Rob, listen. I've never heard. Nobody's ever written into my show to talk about power. The last couple of weeks, we've got a number of messages from yes. people in writing and saying you should check out power. I've never seen it. I've always heard it's good. You said you saw a couple of episodes, Yeah, right? the first two seasons, a friend of mine, Adam Huss, was in the first two seasons of the show. So I watched uh, some of those episodes to see. He was great in it. I liked it. I liked the show a lot. I wonder, though, why it must be. Are they promoting it again? Did it move to a different streaming service? It's kind of neat. And by the way, John, shouldn't you have said Candyman three times? Oh, no, you can't do that. I'm getting killed. 
Oh, you're right. Can't That's do that. That's probably true. All right. Next up, we've got Downey Downey Jr. who writes, My anticipation level for Multiverse of Madness is through the roof. I hope we get a small tease pointing to Galactus as the next supervillain, uh, just like that first Thanos post credit scene from Avengers. You guys think we'll get something like that? No, I don't. Uh, I'm going to say something, too, that's going to be very, very unpopular. I don't know what the point of Galactus is. I mean, I, I, <laughs> honestly, I, I have no idea what the point especially when we have the Celestials and Arsham there now. And honestly, I, I get it. It's one thing for something to work in a comic book, but what's Hulk going to punch Galactus? <laughs> is Iron Man going to show I me? Mean, Iron Man's not around, but he'll be back. Is Iron Man going to shoot his laser beams? Is Thor going to bring down lightning on Galactus? I mean, I, to, there's nothing to me that is compelling about that in a movie form, especially once that whole planet-sized threat of the universe, only he's one of the creators of the universe and Arshem is already there. So I'm going to go myself in the name and say, I have no interest in seeing Galactus, to be honest. What about you, Rob? It depends how they do it. But to me, I, I just, I, I associate Galactus with the Fantastic Four so much that I don't even see that they can have that conversation until we have the Fantastic Four in whatever way, shape, or form they're going to appear, or Silver Surfer, in the MCU. I and mean, if Galactus shows up, I mean, obviously he can be tied to the Celestials in some way. Arsham is going to come back and judge the Earth. That's going to happen at some point, because that's what he does. But I don't know. I, it just seems odd that they would do it. I mean, we got Kang out there. We got, And I don't really see a connection between... Doctor Strange no, and Galactus. I don't either. So, I mean, so I'm going to go, I really doubt it. I mean, at some point, the nerdy Kevin Feige is going to bring in Galactus, probably at some oh, point. Yeah. I don't think it's anytime soon. And honestly, again, I'm not even all that interested in him right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I understand. All right, next up. Uh, that was Danny Danny Jr. Now we got Scott Brown. And Scott Brown writes, a couple of things that Fett has shown me is that Rodriguez should never direct Star Wars again. He doesn't fit and Mando has become one of my top five favorite characters in Star Wars. And if I never see Fett again, I'm just fine with that. The series is a C for me. Yeah, I mean, listen, I like Robert Rodriguez. He has made some films I really quite enjoy. Me too. And I look forward to seeing other films he does. But you're right. It just, him and Star Wars wasn't a good fit. Uh, you could just tell that with the same writers and the same producers and everything like that, certain episodes worked like the ones that Bryce Dallas Howard, the ones she directed, yeah. she, she knew how to take that script and breathe real life into it, taking scenes that could have been really cheesy and weird and turn them into something that was thrilling and exciting. And I, I just don't think Rodriguez had that. As far as never seeing Fed again, you're going to see him again. You're probably going to see him in Mandalorian season three. That's why he says at the end of Book of Boba Fett, oh, we're not cut out for this. Sure. But this whole freaking show was about you getting the throne of, Boba Fett, of, of Jabba the Hutt. And now it's just out of nowhere. We're not, we're not cut out for this because people wanted to shake his hand as he was walking down the street. Yeah. At any rate, so I think we're going to see him again very soon in Mandalorian season three. All right, next up. Scott Brown also writes, this series didn't do Fett any favors. He came off old, slow, stupid, and annoying. I hope we're done with Fett. I was hoping he would die and Bane would live. Fennec was more interesting and Mando is a much better character by a mile. It's not even close. Well... I'm going to disagree. I do not think Mandalorian is a better character than Boba Fett. I will say this. Mandalorian was put in a much better position to look like a great character in Mandalorian than Boba Fett was in the book of Boba Fett. Yes. Because look, when we saw Boba Fett in Mandalorian, 
we all thought that is the coolest motherfucker in all of the universe. When don't forget that when Boba Fett showed up in Mandalorian, we Dude, all thought was awesome. that was the coolest character ever. It was awesome. And they just need to get back to that. So I think he will be fine as a character. They just have to, man, they just put him in a show that they just forgot how to make a good show. Uh, anyway, so I, I think he'll be fine. All right, next up. We got Cameron writes, day one of asking John to play or watch the cutscene movie for the new Guardians of the Galaxy game. It's an amazing game, and I almost prefer it to the movies. You know what? I'm going to get that game. Every time I go online and search for like best games on PS5, I have not seen a single one that doesn't include Guardians of the Galaxy. I have it. You have it. It's a great game. You've played it a bit. Yeah. And I mean, because I also noticed it's, it's not connected to the movies. No, it, it it's a great really game. It's got the character designs are great. The gameplay is great. And the music is great. I've heard that. They've all talked it's, about how great the it's, music it's is. It's really fun. Well, it's I'm, really, really fun. You know what? I'm going to hold off on watching the cutscene movie of it because I think I'm going to get the game Should, and, it's and good. play it myself. So there you go. Thanks for putting that in there, Cameron. All right, next up. Calvin Bowes writes, My son Braxton asks Rob if he gets the Star Wars Trek job uh, you were applying for. <laughs> would you hire him as an advisor? Well, uh, Braxton is six. He might okay. be seven <laughs> now. So Braxton, uh, you've been writing me a lot. And I'll tell you, if I get that job, you're hired. All right, there you go, Braxton. From his mouth to your ears. All right, Calvin Bose also follows up and says, Rob may have to explain who Braxton is. I'm assuming this is a, a kid who's been writing into yes, Rob. Yes, Calvin, his father's been writing into my channel for a long time, and Braxton has sent pictures. He's a huge Star Trek fan. As a matter of fact, he actually spoke to William Shatner at the Star wow. Trek, the Star Trek uh, Vegas event last, was in August, and it was very cute. All right, next up. Paul Drummer writes, one of two. Hey, John and Co., I like the finale of Boba Fett. It wasn't perfect, I know. I see some complaining that Han wasn't in it. All I can think is, give a man an inch and he'll take a mile. Some fans expect too much. Also, I feel if Boba uh, got in the ship, the fight would have been over too quickly. Yeah, but that's what you want. That's, that's what you still would have done. Uh, that's just my thoughts. I know I'm probably in the minority on this. Thanks and have a great day. Well, yes... But if you're, but you got to explain to the audience. Here's here's a great example. A man and his family are at home, and they're getting all getting ready for bed. They're upstairs. They hear some people breaking in downstairs, and they overhear them saying, "Find the family and kill them." Now the man that would be bad. The man has an AK-47. Why does he have an AK-47? Who knows. But he's got an AK-47 beside his bed. Instead, he reaches past the AK-47 and grabs his junior boxing gloves and puts on his boxing gloves. He says, I'll go downstairs and take care of this. If I grab the AK-47, it would be over too quickly and too easy. I mean, it's one thing to say that, but if you're going to have Boba Fett not grab the thing that would make it so he wins the war you got to come up with a damn good explanation why that is. Otherwise, Boba Fett just looks like a moron. <laughs> so you're going to ride into battle on this Rancor, which you've never ridden before. And instead of bringing in your ship that you took out that entire biker gang with in seconds and win this war, save your people and save your city, eh, I'll ride the Rancor. That'll look cooler. I mean, it's going to take me three hours to get there, but I'll ride the Rancor to get there. I mean, hey, listen. 
I mean, and first, and then going back to the Han Solo thing, like Rob, we talked about, would it be possible that they could bring in a Han Solo? And we decided that, yeah, it's possible they could. We didn't think they would, but we say, yes, yeah, possible they could. I, don't, I haven't heard anybody complain that they didn't have no. Han Solo. I don't see why you'd not have like Han Solo. Mephisto not showing up. <laughs> Come on now. I, I don't know. Do you think they made a mistake not having a big major cameo? Like, I mean, they had Luke in one of the episodes. They got Luke, Ahsoka, Grogu, do you think they the Mandalorian. I mean, what? Do yeah. you, how are you going to fit Han Solo in this show anyway? Yeah. No, I thought there was plenty. All right. All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, Paul. Appreciate that, man. Next up, we've got Oliver and Oliver writes, big fan of Bryce Dallas Howard's work so far, but I'm also curious. If we switch director's assignments, her episodes to Robert Rodriguez's episodes, ever wonder how well she would do? Thanks. No, I don't wonder. I know she would have done better. I am not saying she's a better director than than Robert Rodriguez. I'm just saying it's clear that she has a real sense for Star Wars. Sure. Because even when you go back, um, what was the name of the first episode when he finds himself among the villagers? Um, oh, I keep forget. I forget the name of the episode. But anyway, you know the episode I'm talking about. If you go back to Mandal- the previous season of Mandalorian. And Mando ends up on that planet with the, with the, uh, I mean, it just looked like a rice paddy farmers, whatever, yeah. right? That is an episode that could easily be really boring, make no sense, feel forced, but she was able to take that script with her sensibilities for Star Wars and make it feel thrilling and interesting and dynamic and was one of my favorite episodes of The Mandalorian. She did it again. And then she comes into the book of Boba Fett and she did it again. So I will tell you right now, you hand her the scripts for the three episodes Robert Rodriguez did, she would have done better. Not because she's a better director, but because she just clearly has her finger on the pulse of Star Wars better than Robert Rodriguez does. Mm. It's not a matter of overall talent. It's a matter of fit. So I don't know, Rob, do, do you think we could have expected something better if she had directed those episodes? Well, her dad is Ron Howard. He's got the and, genetics, man. And, and I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that probably consulting with her father, she has a great pedigreed family there. Obviously, she did prove herself. And if you if you put up her episodes against Robert Rodriguez's episodes, I think the proof is in the pudding. It's more academic than anything else. I think her episodes were, from an audience perspective, a little bit more satisfying. I agree. All right, next up. Uh, ben Rayner writes, hey, John and all. Could Robert Rodriguez being the executive producer on Book of Boba, he was an executive producer, it was not the executive producer. Uh, could Robert Rodriguez being executive producer on Book of Boba Fett be the reason why it wasn't the same great quality as Mando? No, not at all. And Mando 1 and 2, do you think he had much uh, input? I think this might be the reason why, and I'm still looking forward to Obi-Wan. Nah. I mean, the reality is, and Rob, you and I talk about this, it's one of the reasons why the term producer in Hollywood is one of the most nebulous, confusing things. Because you can literally have a guy work for five years of his life, 24 yeah. hours a day, to get a movie made, and he's the producer. Then you can have another guy who literally arranges a phone call between two other people, and he gets some kind of producer credit. Right. And so a lot of people look at it, but the reality is this. No. Robert Rodriguez having an EP credit on this. Favreau wrote this script. And the EPs all work for him. So I, I hold Robert Rodriguez accountable for the episodes he got hands-on and directed, but I don't think the series as a whole suffered because he happened to be given an EV credit. I don't know, Rob, what do you think about that? No, I, I think that, look, a lot of directors, especially if you direct a TV pilot, for instance, you get to be an executive producer on the show forever. 
and you might not direct another episode again. So I don't think that Robert Rodriguez's directing was at all affected by the fact that he was an EP on the show. All right, next up, we've got Justin. And Justin writes, I heard you guys talking about, uh, is Boba and his father Mandalorian? I'm are Boba and his father Mandalorians. I'm fairly certain it's been established by Filoni that the Fets aren't from Mandalore. Django somehow acquired the armor. Uh, Boba, as we all know, is just another clone not aged up. Okay, so right and wrong. Django was not from Mandalore, but neither is Din. Din is Mandalorian by being a foundling. But that makes him every bit of Mandalorian as anybody else. This is the way. <laughs> in Mandalorian Season 2... Uh, Boba in a discussion with the other Mandalorians there and some kind of spat that they were having, Django was himself a foundling, which makes him as Mandalorian as anybody. And his son or a genetic offspring had raised by a Mandalorian. He doesn't claim himself as a Mandalorian. Right. Boba Fett doesn't claim he doesn't go around. I'm a Mandalorian. I'm a Mandalorian, but he was raised by a Mandalorian. Uh, Wears the armor of of Mandalore, so yes, Jangle was a Mandalorian. But I don't know if Boba Fett considers himself Mandalorian or not. I've never heard him say that. What's your take on that? I kind of feel the same way, and obviously, he doesn't subscribe to more of the fundamentalist Mandalorian beliefs that Din, at least not Din sect. Uh, yes, of Mandalorian. It, yes, it's true, which we heard in the show. So it seemed like he was dismissive of that. All right, next up, we've got Brian S. Who writes. Putting on my tinfoil hat here, but humor me. Do you think that it's possible that the two Mando-centered episodes in the Book of Boba Fett were originally filmed or planned for season three of The Mandalorian? No, zero chance. I kind of get the feeling that they were reshoots to drive streams. No, I don't think so at all. Like, you got to remember, a lot of people forget or they think that, man, they did, they aired the first few episodes and some people didn't like it, so they rushed into the studio, reshot two new episodes at the last second, and no, this was all shot a long time ago. Um, so definitely no, it was not shot to be a part of Mandalorian Season 3. No. Uh, nor was it planned to be part of Season 3. When you see it, I, if anything, they needed Mando in there. I believe that it opens up... Now, we'll find out if this is true or not. It opens up the doorway for Boba Fett to be in Mandalorian Season 3. That sure. they fought together side by side as warrior brothers in the streets of Tatooine. And now he's going to go with Mando and help him retake Mandalore. I, at least I think that's what's going to happen. We'll find out if that's true or not. All right. Next up. Dangerous D writes... Hey, John, Sony has agreed to have their blockbuster hits, Spider-Man No Way Home, Venom 2, Ghostbusters, Morbius, etc., to stream on HBO and HBO Max across Central slash Eastern Europe. It doesn't say whether this deal extends to the U.S. Will the U.S. be able to get to see as well? Um, didn't they just say that Spider-Man No Way Home was going to be streaming on Peacock first? Or was it Peacock here? Oh, I'm not sure. I mean, because Sony does not have a streaming service, obviously. Right, they don't have their own. Um, let me... Well, first of all, I mean, there's no Disney Plus in a lot of markets, so it makes sense there, right? Right, so but then Disney usual, Plus is moving, you know, they're always adding more markets. But oh. Peacock, perhaps. Although, how many markets is Peacock in? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Let me just look this up quick, because is it there... It's... Uh, Okay, no, it wasn't Peacock, nor is it Disney Plus. It's going to Stars. That's where it's going uh, to. It's it's going to Stars. So, okay, I get that. Um, I, I don't know. Remember, Sony is not Disney, 
And this is another reminder that these Spider-Man movies do not belong to Disney. Right. They belong to Sony. Now, they may have a long-term deal, and I have no doubt that ultimately and eventually, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home, Venom, they're going to end up on Disney Plus sometime, some way. That's what, don't, Disney's going to give Sony whatever amount of money they want to make that happen at some point. But for now, that's uh, that. I don't think it's going to be on HBO Max in the States. To watch in the States, you're going to have to go, at least Spider-Man No Way Home, you're going to have to get stars. So stars is what you're going to need to get. All right. Next up, Dangerous D also writes, Hey, John, should Warner Media end the relationship with Greg Berlanti Productions for DC properties? So far, it's a lot of myths than hits for the Bert, uh, Berlanti verse miss. Batwoman, Stargirl, Titans, Flash, Supergirl, and the last six years of Arrow. Hits, Doom Patrol, Superman, and Lois. That's a matter of opinion, Dangerous D. There's a lot of people who really like Stargirl. And there's a lot of people who really like Titans. And there's a lot of people who really like Flash. I really like, I, just, I haven't liked, I didn't like the last couple of seasons, sure. but I like the vast majority of Flash. I hated Supergirl, but a lot of people like Supergirl. And a lot of people watched Arrow all the way through. So that is a matter of opinion about hit and miss. Uh, the Doom Patrol was great. Superman Lois, I don't watch. So I, I I've enjoyed the first season. I haven't dealt, dumped, uh, jumped into the second season, but I quite like the first season of Superman Lois. I liked it too, up to a point. Coming off the jobber Superman status and Supergirl. Yes. You know, and almost anything would have been better than that. So, uh, no, I don't think you're going to see them breaking up with Berlanti anytime soon. All right. Old Tom Jin writes. I uh, sent in like $20 uh, super chat. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, dude. Um, hey, John, kudos on your five plus rules for future Star Wars series. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. These should be posted in every writer's room in Hollywood. My question is, what are the odds that Bob Chapek ordered JF and D... No idea who we're talking about. Uh, or John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Guys, please don't write in acronyms. Uh, to shoehorn Grogu into the Book of Boba Fett in order to sell more merch, zero. For Bob Chapek to order somebody to do something creatively would imply that Bob Chapek cares at all about what goes on creatively. Right. Bob Chapek doesn't care. On top of that, CEO of Disney tries to come and force John Favreau to do something. He's saying, okay, bye. Yeah, that's not how it works. That's, that's not how we're... Obviously, he has a boss and he has to listen to Kathleen Kenny, whatever. But if they come in to say, oh, you got to put in these characters that we... It's, it's like, well, that's not what I agreed to. That's not what I signed up for. Then John Favreau saying bye-bye. Like I, because there's, I mean, a lot of directors couldn't do that. John Favreau can. He'll and he'll have a lot of other options and a lot of other suitors to do a lot of other things. And it's not, it's not like they don't have other shows going on. I mean, Obi Wan's coming in May. These shows have a long lead time. You know, they're they're made. They don't. A lot of shows, John, are made and they're just weeks behind when they air. These shows have a lot of post production. A lot of time goes into yes. it. They don't just haphazardly go. Well, you've got to put this in because I want you to now. That. That's not how Star Wars is made. Yeah, no, I I guarantee you, look, if and Favreau knew and saw how crazy ridiculous popular Baby Yoda is. Yeah. He's gonna put Baby Yoda in. Yeah, there. it's not like he wouldn't have thought that himself. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wasn't expecting to see Baby Yoda. When the Book of Boba Fett was starting, I was not expecting to see Baby Yoda in this series. I was expect fully expect to see him in Mandalorian season three. But yeah, no, I guarantee you that's completely Filoni and Favreau. Yeah. Mostly Favreau, but yeah. it, it's definitely there. All right. Uh, Garden Variety Vagabond writes, John slash Robert, I bet that Warner Brothers is betting that the fans going to the Batman early screening will also go on the first weekend as they are the true believers. No, uh, they are betting that it may replace their watch. They are betting that it may replace their watch during week two. 
giving the free advertising maximum effect. I'm not really sure how you worded that, but no, Warner Brothers knows the vast, 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 vast majority of moviegoers are not what we would call as gatekeepers, the true <laughs> believers. No. What they are banking on is that these people will go to these advanced screenings. I'm, I'm going to guess it's probably at 360 theaters. I'm going to guess it's going to be somewhere in the 10,000 range. There's going to be 10,000 fans that are going to be taking to social media. This is what they're betting on are going to be taking to social media instead of 50 to 70 critics getting online and spreading the word. They also want 10,000 movie fans. Well, there'd be more than that. If you think that an average theater that's sold out, let's say it's got 400 seats. It's probably less than that. I'm, I'm averaging it at probably about 300 seats. Well, okay. 300 seats. Some, some 500 seaters, some 150 seaters, but it is, a, they are IMAX screens. So but isn't that, that's close to like nine ninety thousand people. More than because it's 350 times. Oh, second. You know what? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's not, I, I missed a zero in there. It's not 10,000 fans, it's like 100,000 fans. Can you imagine though, dude? 100,000 of us, crazy, rabid, socially active people, go out, we tweet, we Facebook, we Instagram, we Twitch, whatever the hell it is. 100,000 people. And keep in mind, they don't have to. We paid for the privilege to go market for Warner Brothers. Yeah, we paid. <laughs> $30 a ticket. Yeah, 30 bucks a head. To go to that. By the um, way, March 1st that's one. $3 million. Yes. <laughs> Three million bucks that we paid for the privilege of talking about how great now, the Brady, Batman is. We are is. probably the most expensive tickets. Uh, other people, yeah. point, they paid $20, but still. So they're now, that's a how to market a movie. <laughs> they're, they're, getting, they're getting $20 million of marketing and getting paid $3 million to do it. This is genius. <laughs> I, I mean, and I gleefully, well, I didn't have to. You forked it over. <laughs> yeah, I bought the ticket. That's a business expense. But still, yeah, no, they're not banking on those people coming back on the opening weekend, though. That's that's just not what most people do. But we do. are. But we are. Because <laughs> we've got the John Campion fan screaming. That's right. On the opening day. So it's going to be fun. All right. Thanks, Garden Variety. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Ricky Bobby 224 writes. Am I the only one who noticed that White Dragon's truck in Peacemaker Episode 7 had a license plate that says ALM? LOL. Could just be a coincidence. You know what? I didn't notice that, but now I'm going to have to go back and watch the episode again and see if they did that, because that, Ricky Bobby, would make total sense for White Dragon Especially to have Especially after when you first see him. The, yes. li the lines of, of racial epithets he threw out was amazing. Oh, my God. Yep, that would totally <laughs> be a White Dragon But you know what, John? That's why the show, James Gunn, the details matter. I mean, yeah. all throughout the show, it's like it's like White Dragon's multi-dimensional armory and all the stuff, all the little things they do. Like when Eagly, after the first episode, he could have just landed, but no, he's he walk he walks over that first episode, looks up lovingly at the peacemaker. There's no detail left to chance in this show. No, it's great. It's, it's so good. So good. All right, next up, Bob Paycheck writes. <laughs> hey, John. Who needs Rotten Tomatoes anymore? The John Campy Show has the world's best everyman, Ray Ora, on hand to rate films. <laughs> Always great to hear what movie gets a Ray Scora. A Ray uh, Scora <laughs> or a Ray Snora? There we go. Dude, that's got to be a new chart. He, he, there's got to be a graphic Is this for movie that. a Ray Scora or a or Ray, Ray Snora, Snora, Ray? <laughs> that's let the good. people know. That's actually not bad. I'm going to have to let them know about that one. All right. Next up, we got uh, Donato, or Dono, right? One of two. Hey, crew, 
I recently got to screen a couple of movies coming out this year and I loved it. Knowing nothing about a movie and then seeing everyone react in real time and discuss afterwards made for such an awesome experience. I encourage every movie fan to look for similar opportunities in their area. Also, here's my top five. Number one, The Incredibles 2. Sorry, number one, The Incredibles. Number two, Knives Out. Number three, Dial M for Murder. Number four, The Dark Knight. Number five, Jurassic Park. Keep up the great, inspiring work. Yeah, listen, I, I'm i trying to remember the last time I went to like a test screening. Mm. Now, generally speaking, I'm not allowed to be at test screenings because right. I'm technically in the media, but I have snuck into one or two. Me too. Maybe. No, man, I don't have any connection to the entertainment industry. No, man, that's someone else. No, no, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. But I, I have maybe gotten a couple of things and get to see a movie that is like five months away, and often unfinished, like maybe some effect shots. For the most part, the movies all together. But yeah, um, things. But it is pretty funny. But the thing is, you got to sign NDAs at the Wahoo, and you got to keep quiet. You can't talk to anybody about it. But it can be a fun opportunity. I'm glad you had that experience there, Dono. All right, next up. We've got Chuck the Mystery who writes, Hey, John and Rob, I absolutely love the first episode of Movie Club. Thank you so much, man. Uh, such an interesting discussion of one of my favorite films, which we did, Gladiator. Uh, I love to see an in-depth analysis of my favorite Ben Affleck film, Changing Lanes. The movie just doesn't get enough love. It's true. I love Changing Lanes. That wouldn't be a bad movie to do for Movie Club. Except nobody will watch that one. It's true. Because nobody's love, seen it. <laughs> I'd love to revisit it, though. I would, too. Listen, I, I remember when Ben Affleck got cast to play Batman. And I was like one of the only people online regularly that was like hammering home. This is a great casting. This is a great casting. And everybody was laughing. But one of the things that I also bring up is like, if you are laughing at this, then you have never seen Changing Lanes, which people would say, what? Changing Lanes. It's a movie did with Samuel L. Jackson. And really, it's a matter of how quickly we can get let things go and let ourselves get out of control. Mm -hmm. One bad decision can lead to another even worse decision. And it's a great kind of look at the human condition in many ways, where Samuel Jackson and Ben Affleck, they end up having a relatively minor conflict, but that has consequences on one, which leads to kind of a retaliation. And then things spiral out of hand. It's called changing lanes. Affleck is fantastic in it. Absolutely fantastic. And that would be a fun one to do. But again, I just don't want anybody to watch that episode because yeah, no know. one's ever seen it. Maybe do a special episode. of. Maybe we'll do a special Club. look at that someday. Because I'd like to go back and watch it. Me too. All right. Next up. We got the Dark Moon Knight. <laughs> I like that. Right. Hey, John. Love your show. Thank you so much, Dark Moon Knight. Uh, just wondering if there is no difference between favorite slash best movie. How can you have a favorite actor and best actor be different? Does the rule not apply? Just wondering. You're not the only, it's a good question. It's not, you're not the first person to ask me that. So my whole thing is I've, I've been talking a little bit in the last couple of months about, I've been re-examining the position I have held my whole life that you can have a significant difference between what is your favorite movie versus what you think is the best movie. I believe that my whole life. And in the last couple of months, I've been kind of re-examining that to, because I'm starting to doubt that that's true. If something is your favorite, then to you, that is the best. Uh, because if that's the movie that elicits the response out of you, uh, that gave you the best experience watching it, then for you, that's the best. But uh, again, I have a lot more thinking to do on the topic. Let's see how I feel about that in a year. Like I said, I thought the other way for the rest of my whole life, but we'll see. But I do think the issue of when it comes to individual people, it's different, right? Look, with individual people, it's different. 
So if you look at something like, let's do a sports analogy. There's no debating that Wayne Gretzky is the best hockey player of all time. Nobody's ever been a better goal scorer. Nobody's ever been more. He's got most goals, most assists, most points. He holds almost every record in the business. There's just no debating. He is the greatest hockey player of all time. But he's, an indi- he's a person. He's an individual person. And therefore, I had other people that were still my favorite to watch. I mean, Gretzky's going to get more goals. He's going to get more assists. He's the better player. If I put the two of them on the rink at the same time, Gretzky's going to win. But, you know, Mike Bossy was my favorite. Mario Lemieux was a favorite of mine. Uh, Rick Vive of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Most of you guys have never even heard of him. Rick Vive of the Toronto Maple Leafs was one of them. But that also partially had to do with them as people. And I think the same is true of movie stars. Like, there's just something about Russell Crowe. First of all, I do think Russell Crowe is one of the greatest actors in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just right there. But he is not as good as Daniel Day-Lewis, in my in my opinion. But I really like Russell Crowe. That's the thing. There's something about him as a person and as an individual that is that to me. So wherever I personally wind up a year, two years, three years from now, in my, ho- my own kind of spiritual movie journey about <laughs> what is there or is there any difference between what is your favorite versus what is your best, um, wherever I end up on that, I will always think there's a difference between the project, the movie itself versus individual people and why you do, why you think somebody's a better person or somebody is as a person you are attracted to more versus purely evaluating them on their skill as, as actors. Mm. So again, it's, it's a fair question to ask. I've had other people ask me, that's what I would say to that right now. Uh, Dark Moon Knight. Thanks for asking, dude. All right, next up, check the mystery rights. While the Fantastic Beasts movies have not been the hits that the Harry Potter films were, they've done well. They have. I think a lot of people forget that. They've they've yeah. done well. They've made money. Uh, they've done well, and I've liked them. Me too. I like the Fantastic Beasts movies. With a title like The Secrets of Dumbledore, over under 40% that the upcoming film will be the most financially successful of, of them. Here's the thing, Chuck the Mystery. The title being The Secrets of Dumbledore won't do fuck all for what it does at the box office. It's all going to... Look... We can talk about guesses that we have for opening weekend. That's going to be based on marketing, anticipation, all that kind of stuff. Whether it ends up being the biggest financial hit of the of this particular isolated part of the franchise, we won't know that until we know how good the movie is. And there's just no way we can know. If this is the worst movie they've done, it ain't going to be the biggest film they've done. If it's the best film they've done in the Fantastic Beast series, well, then it has a pretty good chance of being the most successful. I don't know, Rob, how would you address that? I think just the way you did. I mean, it's hard to say where we're at now. You know, we swapped out. Uh, Grindelwald is now playing, being played by a different actor. There's a lot of different factors. I mean, who who knows? But as you said, this has been, make no mistake, it might not be the juggernaut that Harry Potter was because it's a spinoff. Mm. And I still think that these have been very successful films. Whether people like them as much, why would they? It's not Harry Potter. It's a spinoff from the Harry Potter universe. But I think there's still respectable movies. There's a lot of imagination that go into them. I think this new one looks pretty great based on the trailer they've dropped. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I think that this could be a very successful film. But before we can even begin to speculate or guess, what's the over under that'll be the biggest one ever? First, we got to see the film. Yeah, or at least at least get some kind of critical reaction of to some see kind. what people's response. Even if been, it's before yeah. the embargo lifts, people's initial tweets or whatever the night you could say something on social media, you just can't review it. Even then, would get a. I have no other than the trailer thinking. Well, I like it. It looks good to me. I have no other indication to yeah. go by. All right, thank you. Good question, Chuck. All right, or uh, yeah. Next up, check the mystery. Also writes, um, one of two. 
My last over-under of the day hinges on a lot of maybes, but here we go. We know that there will be some presence of Robin in the Batgirl movie. If he is in the movie as more than just art on the wall, which, by the way, there's a very good chance it is just art on the right. wall, but it might not be. And if the version used is Dick Grayson, uh, over under 40% that the Batgirl movie spins off into a Nightwing movie or a TV series for HBO Max. I would love it. Also, love Rob's designing Hollywood interview with the Nightmare Alley crew. That We're very happy to have that on the John Campy show or the John Campy YouTube channel now. Uh, absolutely brilliant work, Rob. Uh, love designing Hollywood. I cannot wait for more. So yeah, just that gives us a great opportunity to mention, guys, that the show Designing Hollywood, created by uh, Martika Ibarra and the legendary, iconic Hollywood costume designer, uh, Marilyn Vance, is now, its home is on the John Campia YouTube channel. Robert Meyer Burnett uh, did an interview with the creatives behind Nightmare Alley. It's up there now. Go check it out, uh, if you will. Getting back to the Robin question, you're right. It, that's... It's an if built upon an if built upon a what if. If Robin has more of a presence than just a picture on a wall. And if that Robin happens to be Dick Grayson, then what are the chances that, I mean, that I, I don't know that there's any point in me even trying to give an answer to that. It's an if built on an if built on an if. And, well, I mean, there's so much to get around there. So I don't know. I don't think they're building into a Nightwing series right now. They were trying to do a Nightwing movie. Right. They had the director lined up and everything, and then they kept screwing over the director, and eventually the director left. And I don't know what their plans are right now, but I don't think right now they have a Nightwing series on the drawing board yet. But I don't know. What do you think, Rob? Well, like you said, it's an if based on an if based on an if. I think they want to do a Night Nightwing mini, uh, show or something. I think that's definitely in the cards in the future. I don't necessarily know... I think they want to first make a great Batgirl movie. And if the Batgirl movie works well, then they're going to make another Batgirl movie. And maybe if, you know, Nightwing is in it, I don't know if he is. And if it turns out that the character is great, then maybe they'll think about that. But right now, that would be like asking me if, do you think that we're going to see more Sith in the next Star Wars show? I don't know. Yeah, Who knows? We're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, I don't know. But hey, man, listen, it'd I, be Chuck, cool though. Yeah, and Chuck, you are not alone. I think there's there's a good number of people out there who've been waiting to see when are we gonna see some Nightwing stuff. All right, next up, Brian writes, "Hey, John and crew, tinfoil hat here, but am I the only one who thinks that episode five and six of Book of Boba Fett were originally planned for Mandalorian season three? Did we not cover this? We already? did cover that. Yeah. Uh, it almost feels like Disney didn't have confidence in the series and shoehorned." Uh, that subplot for streams thoughts again uh, we, i don't think don't know if you're but no absolutely not and again you're the question implies that they did they started to air the show and then scurried and scrambled to go and reshoot two other things and that's just not the case well also i would say look, flip the script in mandalorian season two while it wasn't as it wasn't a singular thing, we had Boba Fett come in at the end, the the after this first half aired, so it made sense that they flipped it around and made Mandalorian come in to Boba Fett. It's it's kind of mirroring what they did with Mando, so it's not totally unusual. It's not like it came out of left field and did it. That's that's exactly. We've already seen these guys together before. This wasn't some random out of nowhere, like implausible thing. It completely made sense and fit in with and the look story. at them fighting side by side in the streets with their jetpacks in the final episode i'm sure they thought you know i think in the final episode of this we want to see these mandalorian dudes boba fett and mando flying around with their backpacks wrecking shop and again 
I might be wrong about this, but again, I think they made it pretty clear that Boba Fett's going to be in Mandalorian season three yeah. to help Mandalorian, to help Din with his thing. This set that up. Yep. So no, I, I completely believe that that was always part of Favreau's plan. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Brian. Corey writes, one of two. Hey, John and crew. Hoping you can help me out here. I'll try my best. I like the Lord of the Rings. Most of the series is epic. I have a giant problem with the end, though. And I don't know if I'm just missing something. The ring being destroyed uh, releases the hold Sauron has on the orcs. But why on Middle-earth do they just walk away uh, when they have Gandalf and his company outmatched? After all, the earth crumbling stops. There is a massive wave of orcs still standing there, and they just leave. Well, they were panicked and terrified. Look, here's the thing. If you're part of a gang... Because the leader of your gang is the absolute biggest, baddest, can't be beat, can't be touched mofo there is in the city. And you go into a fight and all of a sudden your biggest, baddest mofo leader gets his ass beat and gets knocked out. You're running. You're running. The orcs felt all empowered because there was Sauron. Sauron gets destroyed. The eye falls. I, I mean, I mean, that was just it. And so I don't know. That's how I interpret it anyway. Rob, how do you see Well, it? I think that, you know, like the ring itself, you have evil that's influencing your behavior. Yes. You know, you've been corrupted. Your soul has been corrupted by Sauron. And when the influence of Sauron lifts, the orcs are weak minded. You know, they're not like these really driven, smart, intelligent uh, alpha orcs. You know, they, they, they do what their masters told them. And without their master's voice, they're lost. They have no motivation where they're probably sitting around going, well, what do we do now? I don't know. Yep. They've lost what was driving them. And that was the influence of the Dark Lord Sauron. Absolutely agree. All right. Well said. Next up. Uh, thanks for writing that in, Corey. Uh, next up, Mr. Blue Sky writes, unpopular opinion. I never understood the problem with Batman killing since there is a difference between self-defense and murder. Also, if it doesn't matter if you have a no kill rule, since that doesn't actually make sense in real life. Listen. Dude, I've gone on this so many times. First of all, make no mistake, if you know your comic book history at all, Batman has killed. Batman kills in the comics. He has also killed in every iteration of the movies ever. Uh, I think it was Mr. Sunday Movies does this great, has a great video on YouTube called The Batman Kill Count, <laughs> where prior to Ben Affleck's Batman, how all the other Batmans killed, all of them killed, including Christian Bales, right? A lot of killing. My big problem with the absolutely unbreakable rule of no killing is this. The only way you can make that work in the comics is if you absolutely suspend all reality. Because the reality is this. Every time Batman punches somebody in the face, that could kill them. It's, it's just that simple. Rob, I often go back to this, this couple of panels of this Batman comic I was reading, Batman is stalking these thugs who are hiding out in this kind of abandoned house. And you he see Batman's thought bubbles. There's just two of them. They're sloppy. You can tell they've been doing this for a while, but don't have any concrete training and blah, 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 right? And then so one of the guys goes downstairs. He's alone now. I'll pick them off one at a time. So Batman jumps down out of the rafters, lands knees first onto the guy's chest, causing so much of an impact. He goes through the floor of the second floor, crashing down onto to the lower level with Batman's knees, a 270-pound dude with his knees in the guy's chest. Then you see Batman's thought bubble. 
two broken ribs, a ruptured spleen. He'll be spending six months in traction at the hospital. No, that would have killed him. But the writers create this fantasy fairy tale that, no, 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 he's just hurt. And so we let Batman do whatever violence he wants to and just write that it didn't kill the people. The reality is the Batman who does the things he does in the comics has killed people. Also, I think, John, Batman doesn't necessarily set out to kill bad guys. No, no, exactly. The There's a is, difference between setting out to do it. Yeah, and yeah. he's at war. And if somebody's coming at you with deadly force, you're going to respond in kind. If someone's going to come at you or someone's going to kill bystanders or someone's going to do something to the innocent, Batman is not going to pull his punches to save innocent lives. He's going to those people that have chosen to do bad. Batman is going to do what he has to do to stop those people. And in stopping those people, there might be deaths involved. There has to be. That's just, like you said, that's real life. You know, it's not like Batman wants to kill and is maiming somebody or putting them in a hospital for six months. Is that somehow acceptable because they didn't die? Batman's still broken ribs and ruptured spleens. And where do you, where do you like, but no, Batman doesn't kill. Batman tries not to. Yeah, it tries not to, but he does a lot of things that would kill people. Yes. It's like having a comic book character called Henry Headshot. Okay. And Henry Headshot, what Henry Headshot does is he shoots people in the head, but he has a no kill rule. I shoot the bullet at a whatever degree angle. I test the wind speed is blah, blah, blah. It punctures his cranium, but goes through the motor function. So he'll be paralyzed, but he won't die. We wouldn't buy into that at all for very long. Henry Headshot, who just goes around and shooting people in the head, but he's got a no kill rule. We'd be like that. Okay. That can't happen. And that's kind of my one problem with it. Like, and that's why there was this panel in the comics that I bring up on my show. I bring, I show the panel of this all the time on the show whenever the Batman thing comes up. But there's this great um, issue where Batman is talking to Jason Todd Robin. And Jason Todd is like, let's go take out these mobsters. And Batman's like, no, that's a line we can't cross, we can't go and kill. To which Robin says back to him, Jason Todd Robin says, but you've killed people. To which Batman says, but that's in self-defense. There is a difference. We cannot allow ourselves to become what it is we hunt. Yeah. Right? And that is the more applicable, appropriate thing uh, for that. So anyway, th that's a getting into an old discussion again a million times. But I agree with you, Mr. Blue Sky. All right. Uh, Adam writes, how did it feel to watch your team get shit stomped last night? Go Flames, go. Well, I don't know, Adam. How's it been feeling to have your team shit stomped for the last 20 years? <laughs> Just just saying, just wondering. Uh, okay, MD writes, in Europe, we have all the adult content on Disney Plus, but you can't, but you can hide it though. In the UK, we have billboards with Encanto right next to Pam and Tommy. The tagline they use is stories you expect and stories you don't. In time, they might do that in the US too. But you also got to remember one of the big difference that one of the main reasons that they can have the more adult stuff on Disney plus in other markets is that in other markets, they don't have Hulu. Whereas in the U S they have that as an option to yeah. create a distinction between this is our family fair where you can come and watch whatever and blah, blah, blah. I mean, some of it will be heavier, whatever, but the truly adult stuff we can put on Hulu in some other markets where they don't have that option. They try to create barriers within Disney plus itself. Whereas in the U S they try to tell consumers, Mm. All of Disney Plus is an open playground. You you can turn on Disney Plus, give the remote to your kid, and not worry about it. So, um, but I don't know, Rob. We've had this discussion before. Do we think Disney Plus 
could start to wade deeper into the more adult waters on their service as we move forward. I mean, they already have some 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 violent stuff, some more yeah. edgy stuff, but not like straight up pure hard R-rated stuff. But what do you think? Right. Look, I think Disney as a brand is known, it's synonymous with family entertainment. I think that there's never going to be a time where Disney itself doesn't protect that element of their brand. And whether they have to put R-rated material on Disney Plus to compete, I think there's going to be parental controls, parental locks, or whatever, some kind of thing. Because Disney is that brand. And and however, I do think that eventually they're going to have to, in, the, in order to compete, they're going to have to be able to put everything that they have from Fox. They have to make it available because that's what's going to keep them competitive in the marketplace. But I don't think there's ever going to come a time when they don't protect the Disney brand in some way, shape, or form. And by the way, it is a great package plan they have. Like for one lower price, you can get Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. Because, John, I have to tell you, if you have Disney Plus and your parent and you know that your kids can use Disney Plus. You're don't you're not going to want a time when your 4-year-old is watching I don't know the whatever, some animated show and then they turn on Deadpool by accident. Right. Yeah. You're they're never going to want that to happen in the United States. So, I agree. All right. Thanks for that, man. Next up, MD also writes. Also, I read today that Kate Blanchett is the first woman to star in two films that are in the best picture category in the same year, Nightmare Alley and Don't Look Up. I didn't realize that. I didn't either. Uh, and that she has now been in nine Best Picture films. You mean nine films that won Best Picture were nominated for Best Picture, but still has been in nine Best Picture nominated films more than any other actress in history. That is a fabulous statistic. I love that. And you know what? No one deserves it more than she does. Oh, dude, I'm telling you what. I, I have believed for a long time. Now, recently, Frances McDormand has maybe nudged her way into this, but I believe for a long time that other than Meryl Streep, I, th I believe for a long time that Kate Blanchett is the best actress in the world. I think Frances McDormand might have taken that number two spot, mm. but regardless, Kate Blanchett is right up there in the upper echelon. And the fact that she turns in performances that elevate films to the point that she's been in nine of them that have been nominated for best picture. Hey, look, when you want to look at the common denominator things, you can't get around. She is breathtakingly good. Yeah. Because she can do these heartfelt, deep dramas, and then she can be Thor's sister. You know what I mean? Sure. She can she can do all of it. So, yes, I think that's awesome. Excellent little factoid there to drop in there, MD. I love it. All right, next up. Carson Music Man writes... Hey, John and crew, I'm a huge fan of the MCU and have been for the last couple of years. I always do a rewatch whenever a big event comes up, but with Spider-Man No Way Home, I came up with the theory that the past Spider-Man movies exist because of Loki. Thoughts? Okay, this is a really interesting conundrum for Marvel, and, and we've had this discussion before, and I'll tell you right now, no, the previous Spider-Man movies don't exist because of Loki. The idea, because for instance, uh, the events of Endgame, Right. With we have different Thanos is there now and different um, uh, different Gamoras and different this. They've always come up with ways that are different versions. Loki presents just yet another option for different versions existing. But as we all know, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man were around a long time before Lo the events of Loki ever happened. So 
I don't think that's Rob. It's a very complicated convolute thing. We don't even have all the information on yet. But how do you see that? Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's a, a different universe is a different universe. If you time travel within our universe and go through the quantum realm, the standard, the 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 MCU as it exists, even in Endgame, they're still going back in time to this universe's MCU. They're going through the quantum realm. They're not going to an alternate universe. Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man come from alternate universes that are not part of the 616 universe or call it what you want. They are different universes. So Loki had nothing to do with the creation of those universes. I agree. That's why I look at it. All right. Next up, we have, and final question of the day, comes to us from Garden Variety Vagabond, who writes in, John, Rita Ora is from pristine Kosovo. Yeah, I I thought she, I thought I heard she was a Filipino, but I've had different people writing in. Somebody wrote in earlier that she wasn't actually. Anyway, she is an Albanian Kosovar. She moved to England when she was young to avoid uh, the Kosovo War with Serbia. Her actual last name is Sahachiu, I don't know what that means, uh, which means watchmaker, but it was changed to aura, meaning time for ease. Well, we well, all that's learned. Cool. We all learned a little something today about Rita. By the way, you can put up a picture of Rita Aura in front of me right now. I wouldn't know who she is. I, I have no idea. I just heard the name a lot because it's the same last name as my wife and my brother-in-law, but that's that's all I know. I don't know anything other than that. But anyway, interesting factoid. Thank you for sending that in, Garden Variety. And guys, that'll do it. For this installment of Mailbag, thank you to all you guys for sending in your questions. By the way, once again, if you'd like to send in a comment or question to be read on Mailbag, once again, just go down to the description of this video and click on that tip link or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on Mailbag. If we deem your comment or question appropriate to be used on our show, we reserve the right to not use whatever we don't think is appropriate. And of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time and all of us here Thank you guys you so much for that support. I want to thank the guys sitting over here, Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, where can people find you online? John, you can find me on Twitter at BurnettRM. Find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work. And of course, guys, you can follow me on social media, on Instagram and on Twitter, simply right there at John Campia. That'll do it for us for this installment of Mailbag, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.